You're listening to the Grace Church podcast. For more information, visit www.gracechurchuk.org or visit our Facebook page by searching Grace Church UK. Okay, if you have a Bible, please turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9. We are this morning in the last of our little mini-series uh, out of 2 Samuel 9, looking at our cultural values. So cultural values are essentially what we want to be as a church, what we want people to experience and feel and to see as they're part in and around Grace Church. We're on a journey, we're not here in these things, but this is what we're, we're looking uh, to build upon. And, and first week we, I looked at grace that the unconditional love of God that underpins everything that we are. We're accepted through and in Jesus Christ. And then we, then we looked at growth, talked about how we can grow in Jesus, grow as disciples. Actually, there's also calling in us to, to grow numerically, for people to meet Jesus and have their life changed by him. And if someone really knew, if someone really knew, they'd reject me. There's a sense of sometimes shame that we can carry. And... And the door to shame can be opened often by something that we've done or something that's been done to us or just life circumstances like with meth. It can be something that we've done. Maybe we've, we've, we've done something in the past that we've been unfaithful to a spouse or we've gone away from God or in the name of God we've done something that's not honoured God or whatever it might happen to be we've committed a crime we've we've done something that kind of just haunts us it's like oh I, I wish I hadn't done that and it can leave us with this sense of of shame or it could be something that's done to us maybe an authority figure has not treated us well Maybe they've embarrassed us publicly. Maybe they've shamed us publicly and that kind of lives with us. Maybe as Lucinda shared that word, someone said something over us that's just kind of stuck. And even though we kind of know it's not true, it, it, we just can't quite get rid of it. And it, it can leave us sometimes with a, with a sense of shame. Sometimes it can be something that's, that's done to us. Do you know that statistics say that roughly one in three females are abused either as a child or as an adult? Something's been done to them that's not their fault. And they feel somewhat defiled and can sometimes carry a, a sense of shame. And what one Christian counsellor said that whenever they counsel someone who'd gone through something like that, often they would have a shower after the particular event had happened to kind of somehow cleanse themselves or get rid of that feeling. And, and God wants to come, if that's you this morning, I appreciate it's an incredibly sensitive subject, but God wants to come and God wants to lead us into freedom. It, it might be something t- totally different. You might have heard me before say that when, when I was a child, I was, I was quite shy and um, we used to go around in English literature classes and I don't know if you did that, but we would read a page each of the book that we were going through. And I used to hate it. I genuinely used to hate it. I used to dread it. And it would come to me and I would go bright red. I could feel it on my neck. I could, I could, I could, and the more I, the more I felt it, the more it happened. And, and my whole neck would go red and I'd go bright red and I would stutter and stammer and, and hate it. Like, hate it. And that seems like quite a minor thing, but I kind of live with this sense of, like, of shame, thinking I, I can't even read a, a one page as a, as a 12-year-old. And, and I, I just remember feeling like this is, 
this is, it kind of left me feeling, and I'm not sort of exaggerating, I was a bit of a failure, that somehow I, I couldn't get through on this thing. And it was more than just something that happened, it felt personal. And, and, and maybe you can relate to that, maybe there's, there's things in your life. Meth, I'm sure, would have had stuff like this, this sense of carrying this shame. And yet, the good news of the Christian gospel is that Jesus is the answer to our shame. He is the answer through what he's done on the cross. David foreshadowed Jesus. He took meth in. He covered his shame and gave him honour. He gave him a seat at the table. He honoured him. He's now in the king's palace. He's eating the best food. He's getting the best medical care. His shame is covered. He's okay now. He's okay in that sense because his shame has been covered with the honour that David gave him. This is what it says of Jesus. Because often we talked about Jesus dying for our sin. He absolutely did. Amen to that. But he also died for our shame. He endured the cross and scorned the shame. Do you know the crucifixion was deliberately designed to inflict the maximum amount of shame upon the person being crucified. And as you read through some of the gospel accounts, you'll see that Jesus was falsely accused. No one likes being falsely accused, but Jesus was pure and perfect in every way, and he was falsely accused. Had a trial in the night because it was illegal, trumped up charges, people making things up. There was a sense of public shame. What happens? He, he covers his shame. He covers his shame. Everyone can see that he's been in sin. Everyone can see that it's all gone wrong for him. And he gets a robe and puts it around his shoulders, covers it, puts a ring on his finger, puts some shoes on his feet. This is my boy coming home. <clears throat> Turns shame into honour. You know, the gospel is not about your performance. It's about your position in Christ. You know, the evil one will try and tell you about your past, but you just need to point to the cross and say, Jesus has got it covered. Jesus has turned my, my shame into honour. He's clothed me. You know, if you're a Christian this morning, the Bible says you are clothed in white robes of righteousness. That is good news, isn't it? Your shame has been taken. He's covered you. He's covered you in robes of righteousness. So we're going to, we're going to pray a bit later uh, about some of these things. But we honour God. We understand what he's done in our lives. And from that place, we recognise the value in everyone else. Didn't you know you are made in the image of God? That's an incredible thing. You're made in the image and likeness of God. And so is everyone else around you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know that? Some of you might have creaky bones and this and a bad back and all the rest of it, but you are wonderfully made. Wonderfully made. You're made in the image and likeness of God. Do you know that your heart pumps enough blood during your lifetime to fill a, for an average lifetime, to fill a string of tankers stretching from Southampton to Glasgow? Well, I don't know who works this stuff out. Someone's got a PhD in this stuff, but that's a lot of blood and a lot of pumping. I mean, that's incredible. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God loves you and God loves the people that you come into contact with. And we're called to honour. This, this, is, this is what it says. Be devoted to one another in love. Outdo one another in showing honour. Right, hands up if you would consider yourself, or other people may be better. Other people might consider you as fairly competitive. Like you're more than five out of ten on the competitive scale. 
Yeah, yeah, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. It's a few lines down here, but um, I think I would be on that scale. Well, I've started to uh, play football on a Friday with the guys here from Sam Academy. Some of the teachers. I'm sort of fairly laid back. I'm just getting to know them. It's all good, and but I want to win. Like, I want to win. I want to outdo them. I want to score. I, you know, I'm fairly sort of competitive in that sense. In a very grace-filled way, obviously, obviously, obviously. But this verse says that we're called to outdo one another. If you're competitive, you can put your competitive nature into outdoing one another in honour. Like go, go above and beyond in encouraging, loving, praying for, honouring that particular person. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a one-minute break. And you're going to chat if you're okay with this. Chat to the person next to you. I just want you to um, ask this question. Well, answer this question even. When was a time recently when you saw someone honouring someone else? And we want to have a culture of honour where we recognise the value in other people. And I just want us for one or two minutes just to earth that. So say to the person next to you, where you've seen an example, it may be of you, it may be of someone else, where you just, hey, they've really honoured that person, they've encouraged them, they've built them up, whatever it might be to be. So, one or two minutes, turn to the person next to you and uh, see what you come up with. Sometimes to help understand something, it can be helpful to understand what it's not. So here's three quick things that honour isn't. Right? Honour isn't the same as flattery. Right? The Bible says, a flattering mouth works ruin. That's a proverb. But we're not called to flatter. Honour doesn't mean there's no challenge or accountability. The Bible says speak the truth in love, but you can do that in an honouring way. And, and lastly, honour is not self-seeking. So please don't walk away from today as like, well, people are not giving me much honour. Right, you've missed it. I've not done my job properly. Uh, our, our response should be, right, how can I show honour to other people? And, um, you know, because the Pharisees walked around kind of like this, and kind of wanting prominence and position. And they wanted honour. And, and Jesus said, no, 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 that's not what it's about. Jesus himself said, I've come as a servant leader. I've come to lay my life down. I've come not to, not to be served, but to serve. And, uh, you know, I think we live in a culture where we're very, very, very aware of our rights. And probably less aware of our responsibilities. As Christians, we're, we're called actually to be those that, that take responsibility and those that honour one another rather than looking at it always for ourselves. So we, we want to cultivate this. We want to outdo one another in honour. So let's, let's have um, a couple of examples of where we've seen, seen honour happening in our lives or other people's lives. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's excellent. That's excellent. So did you hear that? Whoever was hosting a couple of weeks ago just said thank you to the Santa Vision guys for serving. Do you know what? Thank you is a massive part of honouring. We don't need to overcomplicate this. We all like to be thanked. We don't flatter, but we say thank you for serving. And the Bible says we, we give honour to the weaker parts. Now, I'm not saying Santa Vision are weaker, by the way. <laughs> all right, just to put that out there. But... But, but listen, but all serious point, they are more hidden. And they're often the first here. And you can all see me preaching and, and the rest of it. And some might say thank you. But actually there's people that serve behind the scenes. Kids workers, great to thank. So thanking people, brilliant. Any more? 
Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But means a lot, disproportionately. So if you didn't hear that, Michelle did a, did a display and the head teacher thanked her personally, came and found her, took initiative. It's interesting to me that, that um, 2 Samuel 9 starts off with, with David like looking out. Who could I bless? Who could I show kindness to? So showing uh, initiative and honour. Okay, let's maybe have one more. Brilliant. So work do, someone just stood up and just thanked that person for doing that. It's interesting that kind of gratitude has come out those, those three times. I think this is what it says about encouragement. That's a form of encouragement. Encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5. You know, no one, no one really says, like, that's enough encouragement now. That's enough. I've had my fill, right? It, encouraging one another. It's, it's, we can overcomplicate this. It's an amazing one another gift that God gives us. I read this quote. It says, breathe out respect, encouragement and honour and you will leave the aroma of heaven wherever you go. Encourage one another daily, it says in Hebrews 3.13. Help us in the freedom that Jesus has won for us. I just believe there's some that, that you know you're a Christian but there's many times you don't feel like you actually belong at the table. But you do, as much as anyone else, because of what Jesus has done. You've been invited. You've accepted that invitation. You're at the table. You can eat with the king. You can be friends with the king. He's covered your past. He's covered your shame. Jesus has done it. Holy Spirit, if any of us are disqualifying ourselves, we thank you that it's you that's qualified us. We thank you, Jesus, that you are our scapegoat. We thank you that you absorbed our shame and you give us honour. We thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, just come gently. Just come. Come and bring revelation. Come and bring freedom. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You carried us. We didn't get there by our own merits, our own performance. You carried us. You sought us out. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you. may well be appropriate, even some of the things that I talked about earlier, to get some prayer later. We've got a great pastoral team that will want to get alongside you, but we can do that a bit later. For now, we're just believe in God to come with his revelation his affirmation there may even be things that the Holy Spirit has put his finger on that you just need to repent of you need to say sorry to God for things that you've done rather than things that have been done to you just say sorry the Bible says that he forgives us when we say sorry he cleanses us of all unrighteousness and we point to Jesus it's his performance it's perfect every time we can receive the gift of forgiveness the freedom of forgiveness as we ask God even now some of you might want to do that thank you Lord
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, swap our shame for honour. You honour us. What an incredible, incredible truth. Thank you, Jesus. We pray that we will be a people that would honour you. We would put you first in all things. And from that place, we would see who we are and see who others are. Lord, we pray that we would be a, a thankful people. We'd be a grateful people. We'd be a, a people that would be free with our encouragement, with our well done. We wouldn't be a people of flattery, but we'd be those that would encourage and release life into and through other people. We thank you. Let's just be before God. I just, the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. I just, I'm going to be quiet in a second. I'm just going to allow God's Holy Spirit. Sometimes he comes in power. Sometimes he comes quietly. Just sense his presence, just speaking, encouraging people. So let's just be quiet just for a moment. In the business of life, still our hearts. Just allow his Holy Spirit to move amongst us. Thank you for listening to the Grace Church podcast. For more information, visit www.gracechurchuk.org.